You're listening to Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg, WHMP. And welcome back to Talk the Talk. We have uh, a couple of very special guests here to talk about something that is quite important. Laurie Sanders, you're the co-director of Historic Northampton here in Northampton, and Fred Morrison, uh, you've had a lot to do with the Barrett Street Marsh Conservation Area, the city's most accessible uh, conservation area, and this green oasis for both people and wildlife. So um, let me start with you, Lori. Tell you gave us a speech recently that sort of got a whole lot of attention. Let's talk about that and uh, and what's at stake here. Well, thank you for having us. Um, Yes, I spoke to the congregation B'nai Israel on Sunday because it turns out that the piece of property where the synagogue is is part of the original parcel for the for the synagogue and uh, for the almshouse. And that property, anyway, it's it's just this amazing history. It's like their piece is they now own about mm, four and a half acres, but adjacent to them is the uh, now, now it's their piece, but it was the water department. Beyond that was another little piece the, where the Northampton Survival Center is, is all apart, plus what's known as the Barrett Street Marsh Conservation Area. All of that 30-ish acres was originally part of the land that the city acquired in 1825 for their almshouse. And it was part of a... Well, let me, let me just stop yeah. you, because for people who aren't uh, from Northampton or yeah. people who... What is the almshouse? So that's what a, a synonym would be, the, the, the poor house. It's where people who were indigent, who were older, who couldn't work, who had some kind of handicap, and that they didn't have friends or family in the area, the so-called worthy poor, uh, were cared for by the city. And there was a farm there, and what we, part of the land that was the farm, um, and part of the land that was the pasture is what now is the Barrett Street Marsh Conservation Area. And for those of people who are familiar with it, the Barrett Street Marsh is behind, on the King Street uh, side of things, behind Leah Toyota and behind the stop and shop. It's, it's surrounded by development. So I'm interested in, I, I mean, I'd like to know about the property, but I'm actually more interested to know about the almshouse and in particular, whether or not Northampton having a place to care for people who were poor, who didn't, may have had disabilities, unable to work for one reason or another, was that an unusual thing in a New England city in, or town, because it was a town then, in the early uh, 19th century, or was Northampton exceptional in that regard? I just like to say, for... It's alms is spelled A-L-M-S. It's like alms for the poor is what we're talking correct, about. Okay. Correct, correct, correct. So Northampton is right in the middle with everybody else. Um, and and in fact, the th- these early laws, the poor laws, they come over from England. And in fact, like the early origin is uh, right after the Black Plague. These are when some of the first poor laws are, are created in, in England. And the and the thinking is, well, we want the so-called worthy poor, uh, not the sturdy paupers who could work or be rented out. Um, 
the people who really are in need, those are the folks we're going to care for. So, so it has its origins right after the Black Plague, when a lot of people are in need. And then it's updated in 1600. And the, those, basically, that's the blueprint that comes right across uh, the Atlantic when the first English settlers come to uh, New England. And in fact, in Northampton, it's very soon after the settlement by the English in Northampton that the first, the first writing is about, well, how, how are we going to care for people who, who have needs? And in fact, the first, the first house is built right in downtown Northampton, what we call downtown now, Meeting House Hill, where the courthouse is and first churches. And um, <laughs> could you could you just expand a little bit on this issue of Northampton and I guess typically then of New England towns caring for what historically is called and what you have termed the worthy poor yeah. versus the people every, who are truly every, every, in need, the people who can't really work. Um, and so what happens in eighteen in eighteen twenty in Northampton? In no, at the in Massachusetts in that, okay. is there's a report that comes out and it kind of gives this overview of like, okay, who are we gonna care for? How are we gonna do it? And there's sort of four big categories. You know, for some people who are who are able to work, they're gonna get rented out and to the highest bidder. What does right? that what does that or, mean? They're, they're, I mean they're gonna be basically uh, indentured, uh, indentured servants. servants exactly. Mm -hmm. And and then and then there's this next group, um, you know, and some of those are kids. And then um, but if you have family or friends, okay, stay with them. And then finally, this so-called worthy poor, the people who really need, then, then the municipalities are going to care for them. That comes out in 1821. By 1825, the city of Northampton buys this 30-acre farm with the house. And um, in, in a matter of weeks, they build some buildings out back where men and women can stay. I, I want to talk to Fred Morrison about exactly that, but I just it's reminiscent when work fair was first proposed. Bill Clinton was president. William Weld wanted to uh, have people have to work in order to get if they were eligible for benefits. And I remember reading a piece in the New York Times about how in Mesopotamia, almost eight thousand years ago, there was provision for taking care of the yeah. poor. And the Bible, the Bible is replete with taking care of those who are more needy and less fortunate, so it, it is not in any way a new concept. But I wanted to ask you, Fred Morrison, this is this portion of the former Alms House property that was used as a pasture is now known as the Barrett Street March Conservation Area. Um, tell us about how you got involved with this. Um, well, in the, in the mid-'70s, I was working for the city of Northampton as a science uh, specialist. It was, uh, it was a job that brought me around to all the elementary schools, and I did all sorts of things with kids and and with teachers, too, I did a lot of in-service workshops for teachers, trying to um, increase the amount of, uh, amount of science that got taught. Anyway, one of the things I, I uh, began doing was uh, I'd bring groups of kids and teachers to local natural areas. Uh, up in Leeds, went to the Roberts Hill area, and, and down here closer to town, uh, for kids from both Bridge Street School and Jackson Street School, I'd bring them naturally to the Barrett Street Marsh. It was just a 15 or 20 minute walk from Bridge Street and a five minute walk from Jackson Street. And uh, it was a great place because by then, a good part of that 
marsh had kind of grown in, hadn't been used as a farm for years. There was still barbed wire. You could tell it had been a farm area. Um, part of it was still being um, mowed, believe it or not, the part up near Barrett Street. Um, but there was trails in there, and it was a great place to bring to bring kids. Yeah, that was really interesting. So, so yeah, it, when in the 1950s, like fast forward, right? So for for more than a century, it's uh, until 1950, it's either a so-called the almshouse or poor farm or town farm, however you want to call it. Corey, could you stop there for yeah. one second? Up till 1950, was Northampton still having a place for poor people to live? Yes. S supported by the city? Yes. And in 1927, it changes. So basically a, a hundred years, it changes. And it's there's some new state laws that ha get passed. And so overnight, it goes from the overseers of the poor to the Board of Public uh, Welfare um, across the Commonwealth. And, and it's no longer called the Alms House. It's now called the City Infirmary. Okay. That's, that's actually really fascinating. I, I, it seems to be infirmary is a... Okay, <laughs> so it's kind of a euphemism where you're, you're, you're in need of exactly. something. All right. There's a lot of euphemisms here. So what mm -hmm. I'd like to know is, is the city paying for this? In other words, yes. And does any of your research show whether or not there was general support in the city politically for paying for the almshouse or whether there was opposition to helping the poor? It seems to me this might have been a contentious issue. And if there was virtual unanimity that we as a as a society should do this, that speaks pretty well of the city, or is it somewhere in between? No, no, I think, well, you, you, there aren't, I haven't looked at all the town reports and city reports, so there's, there's, it's a real treasure trove, but there's so much more work that could be done, and, um, but um, I think in, in general, no, the Board of Public Welfare, or the Overseers of the Poor, there's some, um, you know, there's there's a not a like a, I guess a moral mandate as well as kind of a unwritten I don't know if it's written but they're caring for the poor and but money of course is always is always an issue um, but there are matrons and masters who are there to make sure that people aren't too uh, aren't, aren't abusing alcohol but but in 1883 when the Tewksbury report comes out for mental health there's this sweep across the Commonwealth of Massachusetts investigating all mental health institutes, institutions as well as places like this one. And it's a very condemning report for the city of Northampton. And so that inspires a whole, a new construction of a whole new building because it's, it's the conditions are terrible. Um, so it's, it's like every place. It's like there's some really good times and some very, very, very bad times. Okay, just to clarify, the, in the Northampton almshouse, were people well-treated or were people not well-treated over time? It depends. Depends on the time? <laughs> yeah, I think it depends on the time period and who was in charge um, at the time. Uh, there's, there's some writing where, you know, they, they, they thank the person who was there who under, under that person's care, the farm was well-managed, the people had good vegetables and fruits and and then things go bad and but i think you know money a tight budget is a is a is a consistent 
Is in, in your research, did you see any mention of uh, race or yes. racial divisions at the onset? Oh, I'd love to hear about that. Not, uh, not well, at one point there is um, living upstairs, there's uh, an African-American man with his, with his uh, uh, Caucasian wife and their children. Um, so they are in the o their own separate quarters. That was intentional segregation, as far I, as you can tell. I don't know. Okay. Okay. Um, and then, and then I don't know how often women and their children were there, um, but men are in one side and women in another wing. Uh, ultimately, they're they're separated. And what years are we talking about for that? Uh, Give or take. Oh, so but it really, it really from the get go, from eighteen twenty five to nineteen fifty. I love having an historian in the, in the house. I don't know whether to ask you, Fred Morrison, this question, or you, Laurie Sanders, this question, but this location, the fact that um, what was the almshouse, as we've been describing, became the site of the survival center, there's the Abundance Farm. Maybe we should talk about the Abundance Farm and, and what that is and what it does. Is it an accident that it ends up in the same region? Laurie it, Sanders. It's, it's serendipity. It's total serendipity. When the when the survival center is looking for a new property, the the it was then um, used as a garage for the DPW. That space, I don't think anybody in the city had a sense that that was formerly part of the almshouse property, and the survival center begins there. The that abundance farm is there. It's just, and what is abundance for? It, it, it's it's a it's a garden that the congregation B'nai Israel began years ago. That's supporting not only the community and Lander Grinspoon School, but also the survival center. And it's just been an amazing partnership. And and there's just some fantastic quotes. There's just some I don't know, sort of beautiful poetry about the synagogue beginning that farm on that site. And I don't think. Rabbi Jacob Fine was completely clear that that's that's the history there. Anyway, it's an ama it's an amazing story of thirty acres in Northampton that we're only talking about a little piece. It just goes on and on about what a remarkable story. Well, these we're going to continue with that conversation tell. with Fred Morrison and with the co-director of Historic Northampton, uh, Laurie Sanders. We will be right back. More Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg coming up right here on WH. You're listening to Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg, WHMP. We are continuing our conversation about the Northampton Alms House. Really a fascinating history uh, with uh, the co-director of Historic Northampton, Laurie Sanders, but also with Fred Morrison. Fred Morrison, during the break, you told me something really changed in the 70s. What were you talking about? Well, I've been bringing kids and their teachers to the Baird Street Marsh for a couple of years, and uh, a young woman, a student, showed up um, at my door at one point, about 1975, and she said um, that she was, uh, well, I, she was actually a, uh, from Northampton, Willow Zahowski, and a uh, college student, and she said, uh, the city of Northampton owns this land, but it's not really protected. Um, and uh, could I help you take the kids on these tours and, and maybe we take some photographs of the place and try to convince the city council to turn it into conservation land? And so we conspired. Uh, we hired an airplane, a pilot in an airplane. We flew over the city of Northampton, took a bunch of photographs of the Barrett Street Marsh, 
and the nearby Jackson Street School gave a little presentation, a slideshow presentation to the city council, and they said, sounds like a good idea. Why? Why did you think that was important to do? Well, because uh, that land could have been, any number of things could have happened to it, and it was, here's a a 25 or 6 acre piece of wetland wildlife right in the center of town. What Mm. a great place for sort of teaching opportunities. And and, and by then, the Department of Public Works was supposed to be maintaining it, but the wetland regulations had come into place, so ditching and draining and maintaining it hadn't been happening. So that's the reason that the water level began to change. And and so, you know, the DPW then, as is now, you know, was stretched thin, and and the marsh began to became a rejuvenated wetland from a former from former pasture. I have to ask you this question in, in the little time we have left, Laurie Sanders. Why are you so passionate about understanding the history of <laughs> Northampton? Why, why is it important to us? Oh, well, I think, you know, there are um, other people have heard me say this, but I, I, this is sort of throwing down the gauntlet, but uh, I think there's almost no better place to ask questions about American history than Northampton. Because if you look at the city, you can ask questions about transportation, manufacturing, social issues like this, religion, manufacturing, on and on. And there are many local examples to explore these bigger questions in American history. But what's also what changes, you can do that in a lot of cities, but what, here's the thing that's really special about Northampton, is that we have a lot of conservation land. So we can go to places like the Barrett Street Marsh that has this deep history. Is the Barrett Street Marsh still a marsh? Is it still conservation land? Is it still uh, used as an ex- exploration uh, place for, for students? Yes, as, as far as I know. I, I, I haven't been involved in education in Northampton for a long, long time. But Well, Jackson, Jackson Street School uh, still goes there, and I think the campus school sometimes visits. But a few years ago, the Jackson Street School kids asked a question, which was, are there beavers at the Barrett Street Marsh? And I said, well, how can we find out? So I have wildlife cameras down there, and um, those are all posted on Facebook, and it's been unbelievable. What's the answer? Are there beavers? Not right at this moment, but there's almost everything else. It's unbelievable how much wildlife visits that green oasis. By the way, in 1975, when this land was first uh, turned into conservation land, Lori Sanders was 10 years old. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there's a piece of history. (laughs) The youngest co-executive director of Historic Northampton ever. (laughs) Well, I I do remember my history teacher telling uh, the first day of class in high school, telling us why it was so important to study history. He said, some of you will not think it is, but history gives us the opportunity to stand on the shoulders of those who came before us and see what they saw, but see it from a better perspective. And when I look at the history of my town, I'm always fascinated um, by it. So um, what else should people know before we break about the almshouse or about historic Northampton? Well, the, the other piece that's, is that in 1867, a railroad spur went through there and um, that's the bike path that so many of us know. So we, when you travel on the bike path on bike or on foot, you can look out across the Barrett Street Marsh. And so it's a very, it's the most accessible conservation area. And I love that the Almshouse property is now sur- the survival center land and, and the site of Abundance Farm. But the buildings itself 
for the almshouse does not exist? They do not exist. It is really so interesting. We've been speaking with Fred Morrison and Laurie Sanders, the co-director of Historic Northampton. There's so much that Historic Northampton does that we should remember uh, to visit it. Thank you so much for joining us, Fred and Laurie and uh, all of you listeners. We'll talk with you tomorrow.